Hi there, I'm Sue Alvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 118. And today's episode was inspired by a recent comment on my blog. Somebody stopped by and remarked on how I appear to be calm and patient. Yes, a calm and patient mother. And I was thinking about how years ago, I could never have imagined that anybody would describe me in that way. No, I was a real dragon mother. You might have heard some of my dragon mother stories. So to be associated with those words, calm, patient, it seems like rather a miracle. Not that I'm perfect, because what I also want to talk about today is those times when life gets very overwhelming and we don't react, that is, parents don't react in a way that we would like, yet sometimes we just lose it. And even though I'm a lot better than I used to be, there are times when I do have wobbly moments, when I go backwards, when I say and do things that... I regret later, I say to myself, how could I have said that? How could I have done that? Sometimes we aren't always the people that we would like to be. We wonder if we are going to scar our kids for life, if we're going to have horrible memories of their childhoods and the way that we parented them. Well, if you can relate to any of this, I hope today to encourage you to keep on going. Of course, I'm going to tie it all in to unschooling. Now, four years ago, I wrote a blog post called Confessions of a Former Quick-Tempered Mother. I might have mentioned this in a previous podcast. I seem to remember telling you how the title used to be Confessions of a Former Hot-Tempered Mother. But then I got all these people coming to my blog looking for a hot mother. And as I'm not a hot mother, they must have been very, very disappointed. So I went back to the title and I changed it. I really didn't need that kind of reader. The reason I wrote the blog post was because I wondered if people reading my blog got frustrated. You know, you go to blogs and everything seems perfect. Parents seem in total control. Life is wonderful. And and you think, hey, but I'm not in that situation. That blogger doesn't understand my situation, doesn't understand what I'm feeling and what I'm trying to cope with. No, they've got it easy. Their life is going along really, really smoothly. And then, of course, because readers can't relate, they disappear. They go looking somewhere else. And I wondered, did people arrive at my blog and think those thoughts? I can't relate to Sue because Sue's just too perfect. It's all very well for her to say, do this and do that. But she's got everything worked out. She's not me. And so I wanted to reassure people that I do understand about those times when we don't behave as parents as we would like, how we get overwhelmed at times, how we don't like who we are and don't like the way we parent our kids. So I said in the blog post, I can imagine I am a very annoying person. And then I went on to say, would it help if I told you I used to be known as the dragon mother? Oh yes, I had a temper that matched my red hair, and I liked to use it, especially when I was tired and life didn't go to plan, 
and my kids didn't behave as I hoped. I often used to lose my temper. It didn't take much. I was always shouting at my two oldest children when they were young. In the blog post, I went on to describe a particular day. I said, when my eldest daughter Felicity was about two years old and my second child Duncan was a baby, I had a real boiling over day. I can't remember what the circumstances were. Probably the house was a mess and I was exhausted. Quite possibly Felicity kept insisting on sitting on top of the baby. All I really remember was the pressure cooker feeling that was building up inside me. My head ached. I was hot and bothered. I was going to explode. Would I lose my temper? Shout? Handle my children roughly? I had done all these before and I didn't want to do them again. At the last moment, I drew back and burst into tears. I wondered at that time if there was something physically wrong with me. Maybe I was just anemic, didn't have the energy to cope with two little children. Maybe this was the reason that I kept losing patience with my children. So I decided that I would go and see a doctor. Go and find out if there was anything physically wrong with me. Have a checkup. And I was rather hoping that the doctor would find out that there was something wrong with me, something that could be fixed. I didn't want my impatience, my quick temperedness just to be part of my personality. I wanted some external reason to account for them. So I went to the doctor, had some tests done, and they all came back negative. I was a perfectly healthy mother. I sat down and cried again after I heard this because the only other reason that I could be losing my temper was because of the type of person I was. I just couldn't cope. I didn't like who I was. The person I really wanted to be was a gentle mother, a calm mother, a patient mother, a mother that was visibly full of love, someone peaceful. And I wondered whether I could change, whether I could become such a person. Well, I decided that I would give it a go because I couldn't stay where I was. Nobody was happy. I could see the effect I was having on my children. I didn't want them to grow up and have bad memories of their childhood, to have their personalities affected by my personality. So yes, I made a conscious decision to become gentle and calm and patient. But it wasn't easy, and it seemed like everything was against me because I started off with two little children, but before long, I had a homeschooler and a preschooler, a toddler and a baby. Our family was growing, and I gained more and more responsibilities as they got older. Yes, I had to homeschool them as well as parent them. I wondered how I could be expected to be patient every day. But I knew I had to find some way to get there. I said one day I realized patience doesn't arrive like a parcel in the post. It has to be worked at. My children were providing me with many opportunities to practice this virtue. I just had to use these opportunities. With grace, I sometimes succeeded in remaining calm when faced with a difficult situation. Many times I failed. I fell down, but I always made myself get up and try again. And gradually, 
I did begin to change. Yes, we fall down and we have to get up again. Sometimes we don't feel like getting up. We've had enough. We've tried and tried and we're tired. But I think it is in the getting up again that we succeed. So did I become calmer and more gentle? Well, yes, I did. And I noticed something very interesting. My children became calmer and happier and more peaceful as well. Which made me realize that the tone of a family, the atmosphere within a family, can be affected greatly by a mother's mood and attitude and example. So am I now perfect? No, some days I still feel out of sorts and get a bit grouchy. Not very often. Just every now and then. Those occasional slips fill me with horror. I feel so terrible and ashamed, though I guess it's times like these which prevent me from becoming complacent and proud of myself. But I apologize to my children and they forgive me. Understanding and forgiveness are so important for all members of a family. When life is full of visible love and peace, everyone can safely weather a storm that suddenly flares up and is quickly acknowledged and dealt with. And then I went on to say something which I keep repeating, blog post after blog post, podcast after podcast, and it is about the power of love. I love my children so very much that love makes me want to be the best mother possible. Love certainly has the power to change people. Love and God's grace transformed me from a hot-tempered mother into a calm and peaceful mother who might seem almost annoyingly perfect. But of course, I have lots of other faults, and sometimes I do still slip. I do make a lot of mistakes still. Love not only transforms parents, it also transforms children. This is why I like to say forgive kids when they make mistakes. We all make mistakes. When we know that we've been forgiven, that we're loved, we do want to become the best people that we can be. Yes, I think that it's equally applicable to children and parents. We work together. We're a family. We're all there trying to help each other become better people. So that was basically the blog post that I wrote. But there were some interesting comments and I would like to share some of those with you today. So one reader said, Thank you for your honesty, but what did you actually do on a daily, hourly, minute-by-minute basis when your blood was boiling and nothing was going right and all the kids were again ya? And I think that's quite a legitimate comment. I didn't go into details of what I did. It was just an overview, I think. But yes, it's all very well saying, I used all those opportunities to gain patience. But how did I do it? Was it that easy? No, it wasn't. Perhaps I can share my response with you. I said, I tried to reduce the situations that caused me to become short-tempered. I used to get anxious because I thought I had to fulfill outside expectations. Anxiety led to anger with my children when I thought they didn't match up. When I let go of these expectations and started unschooling, listening to my children more, things improved immensely. Also, I was forever trying to keep up an appearance and wanted to impress others. 
My children and our home had to look presentable. My children's behaviour had to be impeccable and beyond reproach. One day, I decided the kids were more important than the opinions of others, so I relaxed and began putting them first. Appearances no longer seemed so important. I stopped trying to change my children and learned to accept them. All the kids were again ya. Yes, all the kids were against you. Changing my attitude resulted in us being on the same side, and there was less conflict. Of course there were, and still are, times when I feel angry. I usually walk away and cool down in my bedroom. It's better than saying words I will regret. I also learned if nothing is going right, then a change of activity or scene often helps. On bad days, we'd pack up a picnic and leave the house and problems behind. This helped me remember what was important, enjoying my children. Finally, and most importantly, I pray. Praying together as a family is good too, and being gentle on myself when I fail. Apologizing and starting again is better than wallowing in self-recrimination. I also look at my children differently these days. They deserve respect and aren't mine to control and treat as I want. I keep coming back to such thoughts to keep myself on track. Daily, hourly, minute by minute. Pray, reduce stress by getting rid of any attitude or situation, like worrying about the opinions and expectations of others, if it's harming my relationship with my children. Recognize danger signals, such as tiredness, and be gentle on myself. Pray. Abandon a situation that might lead to me boiling over. Don't overload myself. Make sure to plan plenty of special times when we can all enjoy being together. Life shouldn't be all work. Be honest and tell others if I'm not coping. Pray. Have time to myself. Walk off if I'm tempted to react. Pray. Go to confession and know I am always forgiven. Try again. Yes, being gentle on ourselves. I think sometimes we are very hard on ourselves and when we fail, we can't forgive ourselves. We think we're such rotten parents. We don't deserve love. We don't deserve forgiveness. Our children might be willing to forgive us instantly, but sometimes the problem is within ourselves. Can we move on? Can we just shake that off, get up and start again? The second comment on that blog post is rather funny. It says, I am sorry, but I keep laughing at the quite possibly Felicity kept insisting on sitting on top of the baby. You do know how to spin a yarn, girl. Love it. And I replied, I'll make you laugh even more. Would you believe I asked the early childhood nurse if it was okay if my toddler sat on the baby? She was horrified. What a hopeless mother I was. Actually, Duncan didn't seem any the worse for wear. He survived quite nicely. I think that leads quite nicely into the question, are our children affected by our parenting? Do our mistakes last forever? Do they look back and remember what terrible parents we were? Does it affect their futures? Yes, because we can sometimes feel guilty about things that we have said or done to our children. We'd like to go back and start all over again. But of course we can't. We've got to live with it. But do our kids have to live with it? 
Well, they always look at us and think about all the mistakes that we have made. Will they resent us for our mistakes? I was pondering this, and then after I wrote that blog post, I wrote another one. It's called Memories of an Inexperienced Mother. I was thinking about how my first child, Felicity, had the dragon mother, but my last child, Gemma Rose, has the calm and gentle mother, and I was wondering whether Felicity wished she was the last child. As I said, she had the inexperienced mother. I guess this is the same for all first children. We start parenting and we have no experience whatsoever. We learn about being parents on the job. We make a lot of mistakes. It's just a pity that those mistakes affect our children, that we can't wipe them out. We can't go back once we've worked out how to be a good parent and do things in a better way for those children. So though I'm thankful that Gemma Rose is getting a better parenting experience, that she has a more peaceful mother, I was feeling a little bit guilty about Felicity. It wasn't her fault she got an inexperienced mother. I was wondering whether that experience would affect her for life. Would it affect our relationship? And so I sat down to write a story about it, a blog post, to explore those feelings. Perhaps I can share it with you today. Memories of an Inexperienced Mother When our first child was five days old, I was discharged from the hospital. A nurse carried our brand new daughter to the door, where my husband Andy was waiting to drive me home. The nurse turned to me and gently placed our baby in my arms, before smiling and wishing us well. And I thought, she is going to let me walk out the door with this baby. She is going to let me, a mother with absolutely no experience, take a baby home. Surely I need some sort of qualification before I'm allowed to be in charge of such a precious child. The nurse said goodbye. Andy and I passed through the door and no one stopped us. It suddenly struck me. I was a mother with full responsibility for a child. Andy and I were about to begin our parenting adventure and we realized we didn't know much about babies at all. Oh, we'd read a few books, shared ideas with some other parents-to-be. But theory is totally different to reality, and we knew we'd have to be quick learners if we were all to survive. Everything went reasonably well for a few hours, until the first bath. We were excited. Our baby was going to have her first bath at home. We gathered the baby bath and the stand, a soft, fluffy towel, and a soft face washer, the baby soap, the baby shampoo, the baby bubbles, and the baby powder, the rubber duck, a clean, soft, pink singlet, a tiny pink baby bond suit, a hand-knitted cardigan and a nappy, a baby brush, the camera, and, finally, the baby. While I carefully peeled off Felicity's clothing, Andy just as carefully filled the bath with water warmed to the perfect temperature. Then I nervously slid our baby into the bath, being sure to rest her head on my forearm, her nose clear of the water, just as I'd been shown at the hospital. 
Now I'm not sure what went wrong. Did we think Felicity has stopped breathing? All I remember is Andy and I jumping about in a panic, and me crying, Karen, next door is a nurse. Quick, she'll know what to do. We hurriedly wrapped our baby in the towel and ran outside and thumped on our neighbor's front door. We waited. No answer. Some more panicking and some more thumping, and then we looked down at Felicity. Andy, she looks perfectly fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with her at all. We looked at our clean, pink, breathing child. Sheepishly, we retraced our steps, hoping no one had seen us. Later, as we dressed our newborn baby, I thought, "There's nothing wrong with Felicity. The problem is her inexperienced parents. How will she ever survive life with us?" Felicity likes to describe herself as our guinea pig child. She was the one we experimented on as we tried to gain some parenting skills. I was talking to Felicity on the phone the other day. I retold the baby bath story, which happened twenty-six years ago, and my eldest daughter giggled. You'll have to write about that, Mum. It must have been hard being the guinea pig child. I said, "All those mistakes Dad and I made while we were bringing you up. The other kids have it so much easier these days." We are a lot calmer and more confident, and we know what we're doing. It wasn't all that bad, Mum. Felicity reassured me. I had a great childhood. So you don't have bad memories of a dragon mother who couldn't cope? Felicity laughed. No. I have been thinking about the mother I was then and the mother I am now. I have changed so much over the years. I used to worry about every little thing. I was always rushing down to the doctors with a slightly sick child, who always seemed to recover in the waiting room. I'd fuss until my children had perfectly clean faces and perfectly brushed hair. They couldn't leave the house unless they were wearing pristine, matching clothes. I'd be anxious if they didn't eat, and spent so much time trying to make them swallow food they didn't want. I worried about dirt and mess and an untidy house. When someone accidentally knocked a dinner plate to the floor, I reacted as if it was the end of the world. I became anxious about such things as toilet training and sleeping through the night. The list is endless. Today I have gone the other way. If she's had enough to eat, take her plate away. I'll say. But Mum, she's hardly touched her dinner. One of the older children will reply. Jim Rose is wearing odd socks. Someone will observe. At least she has socks on. It doesn't matter about the colour. I'll answer. Oops! I've knocked the peanut butter jar out of the fridge. Someone will confess. Go and get the broom and clean up the mess. I'll reply, without even getting up to inspect the damage. I have to admit. I'm not perfect. Some days I get overtired, and the temptation to make a fuss about things that aren't really important threatens to reappear. I had one of those days not so long ago. The girls were cooking a cake, and they got the instructions in a muddle, which resulted in all the ingredients going to waste. After I'd thrown my little wobbly and had my say about reading instructions properly, and how many eggs did you waste, and so on. I stopped and apologized, and immediately began to feel rather bad. What's a few eggs? 
They don't matter nearly as much as my girl's feelings. Gemma Rose looked like she was going to cry, and I felt like the worst mother in the world. How could I have forgotten the lessons that have taken so long to learn? But all the girls said was, Don't worry about it, Mum. It's all over. We've already forgotten about it. Sometimes I wish I could go back and fix up all my past mistakes and erase all the not-so-good memories from my children's minds. I don't want that easily overwhelmed emotional dragon mother to live on inside them. I wonder if Felicity ever thinks, Gemma Rose, you are so lucky. You got the good mother, the calm mother, the gentle mother. She may not be perfect, but she's a whole lot better than the mother I got. She was hopeless. I wish I was the last-born child, and not the first-born guinea pig child. Why does it take me so long to learn anything? I have the suspicion that by the time I have perfected this role of mother, my last child will have finished growing up. She will no longer need a perfect mother. She'll be ready to slap her pea plates to her car and drive off out into the big world to live an independent life. I think again about that seemingly miraculous moment when I, an inexperienced mother, was allowed to take a precious baby home from the hospital. I didn't have to present a certificate to the discharge desk proving I was worthy of the role of mother. Similarly, God didn't ask me to prove myself before he blessed me with so many beautiful souls. He sent them to us anyway. How could he have done this? It took me a long time to work things out, but eventually I came to realize that God doesn't expect Andy and I to bring up our children on our own. No, he is always here to give us his strength and his grace, and he doesn't expect us to be perfect. We only have to do our best. That's all God expects. He does the rest. Isn't that a consoling thought? Felicity phones for another chat. I wrote your baby bath story, I tell my daughter. It's a post about your very inadequate mother. You are a good mother, insists Felicity. When I was a child, I wanted to grow up to be just like you. You did? I am so surprised. I didn't know that, I say. A warm feeling is spreading all through me. Yes, God does indeed fill in all the gaps in our parenting. I love you, Felicity. And my firstborn child replies, And I love you so very much too, Mum. Yes, our children don't hold our parenting against us. As long as we love, as long as we forgive, as long as we keep on trying, things will be fine. That story reminded me of how sometimes we bring trouble upon ourselves. I talked about this in the previous blog post, especially in the comments. Yes, we try to be perfect. We try to look perfect. We try to keep on going when we know we need to stop. We want other people to think that we are good parents. So we do things that we know we shouldn't really do because they just make us feel overwhelmed and cranky and are the people that suffer the most when we get ourselves into that sort of situation are our beautiful children, the children that we love more than anybody else in the world. And I sometimes wonder why we put other people and their opinions ahead of our family. Maybe we all do it to some extent. It took me a long time to realize 
but I couldn't keep on doing that. These days, I don't worry what other people think of me and my parenting and my children. Maybe I don't worry because I'm now perfect, and my children are perfect. Of course, as I've already told you, that's not true at all. Yes, at regular intervals, I do fall. I have a bad day. I get overtired. I worry about things that are happening outside the family, and all the stress and anxiety. They just overflow, and I end up saying and doing things. That I regret later, and these things do affect my children. It is very humbling. As you might know, I used to be on Facebook. I had a Facebook page, Stories of an Unschooling Family, and after Mother's Day last year, last May, I posted something about being an imperfect mother. Mother's Day last year was very, very difficult. I can't even remember why I was in such a bad mood. Why I was so irritable? Maybe it was just a case of being very tired. But I got up on Mother's Day and I didn't want to celebrate. I didn't want to be a mother. I didn't want my kids saying Happy Mother's Day, Mum, because I wasn't a happy mother at all. And so a couple of days later, I wrote something on Facebook, sharing those feelings and thoughts. That I had surrounding Mother's Day, I started off by saying, "Do you ever have times when you fall apart? You just can't cope. You question everything you're doing." I felt like this last week. You see, we're not a perfect family. In particular, I'm far from the perfect mother I'd like to be. I've wondered if I'm on the wrong pathway. What if I'm leading others astray by sharing my stories? And I was wondering about unschooling. I was having one of those moments of doubt. If unschooling is so wonderful, why am I still not perfect? Why am I not a perfect parent? Why do we still have times when I fall apart and and everything in our family goes upside down? Could I blame unschooling? Yes, I questioned whether the problem was unschooling, or if unschooling is okay. Perhaps I just wasn't unschooling in the right way. I wasn't a good unschooling parent. I was doing it all wrong. Was I an unschooling imposter? I wondered what gave me the right to write a blog and talk in my podcast about unschooling. Why I had the right to share my unschooling stories if I was doing it all wrong. Yes, an unschooling imposter. I wrote, low times don't mean we aren't unschooling properly. They don't indicate that unschooling doesn't work. Low times, when we struggle to get through our days as we deal with various problems, are a natural part of life. When life isn't going as well as we'd like, we might be tempted to look around at what other people are doing. Maybe it's time to leave unschooling. The critics are probably right. Moving on is a sensible thing to do. Except, I know I could never do this. I am an unschooler for life. Nothing will change that. Why? Because I know it's right to respect kids, to accept them as they are, to love them unconditionally, to forgive their mistakes, to trust them. 
It would be wrong to grab hold of control, insist my children do what I tell them, try and turn them into the people I think they should be, withdraw my love when they make a mistake, so that they learn a lesson. Even if I did all these things, for a good reason, because I care and love and want only the best for my kids, it would still be wrong. I am absolutely sure about this. And then I shared the rest of my Facebook post. I went on to say, Yes, I've had a low week, but this morning I woke up and one of the first things I thought about was how, the other day when I wasn't coping, when I no longer wanted to be a mother, my girls wrapped their arms around me and held me tight. They didn't criticize and condemn me. They just loved me as I was. All the pain and hurt came flooding out with my tears. It was okay. Unconditional love. That's what it's all about. We don't have to be perfect. As long as we love and forgive and help each other. And that's what I'd like to share with you today. I finished my blog post by saying, It's all very well loving each other when our days are perfect. That's easy. But when things aren't so good, can we continue loving each other? Can we choose not to take offence when someone treats us unfairly, but instead try to understand and be forgiving? Can we pull each other up again when we fail? Can we help each other become the people we are meant to be? If we can, then, even if everything is not looking and feeling as we'd like, we'll be unschooling perfectly. Just because we decide that we're going to live an unschooling life doesn't mean that life will be perfect. I've been thinking a lot about this recently as I've been working on my unschooling book. Yes, I'm still working on it. You probably thought I'd given up again, didn't you? But no, I'm working on it. I've had a few changes in the way that I am structuring it. That's been my biggest problem, trying to find a way that to present all that I want to say. But I think I'm getting there. Anyway, back to the, this blog post. I said it would be wrong to grab hold of control, insist my children do what I tell them, try and turn them into the people I think they should be, withdraw my love when they make a mistake so that they learn a lesson. Just imagine if I'd done all that. Not only would they have to deal with an imperfect mother who's crying and saying, I don't want to be a mother anymore. But they would have to deal with a mother who was suddenly going to take back control. That would cause so many more problems. No, that's not the answer at all. So what is the answer? Well, I think you already know. It's loving and forgiving, accepting, helping each other, getting up and trying again. Remembering what's most important in life. Not worrying about outside expectations. Yes, just do what's best for our families. Keep on loving unconditionally. If you are dealing with any of the problems that I have dealt with and the problems that I'm still dealing with, I hope those stories will encourage you to keep on trying, to keep on unschooling. Yes, every unschooling day won't look perfect. But overall, this is what we are meant to do. This is the right thing to do. Don't listen to the critics or to your inner fears. 
but just keep on going. Before I finish this podcast, I would just like to share with you the story of my daughter Imogen's latest music video. We filmed this about a week and a half ago. We got up early one morning, I think it was about 4.30 in the morning. We rolled out of bed. I didn't have much sleep that night and it was difficult, but we got up, we got out the door, we got down to our location before first light. Now where did we go? We went to the site of an old swimming pool. Now this isn't a modern swimming pool, you know, like an Olympic-sized pool with all the facilities. This swimming pool was constructed by damming part of a creek. It's out there in the bush, lots of vegetation around it. There's a pathway that runs alongside of the site of the old swimming pool. People walk along the path. It's a thoroughfare going from one place to another. But it's really quite picturesque, even though what's left of the swimming pool is all concrete. All that's left are some concrete steps. They come down the hill in stages and a concrete platform. I'm not sure if that part of the pool was underwater or whether it was the area where swimmers sat in between getting into the water. But it made a wonderful location for a video. The pool was opened in 1934. I found that fact out by looking at a board that's alongside the area. It doesn't say when the pool was closed, but it did give the reason for its closure. It was closed because of unreliable water levels and poor water quality. I guess that's not surprising, being part of a creek. The water level in the creek was fairly low the day we went. I can't imagine there being enough water there to swim in. Well, I guess you could get in and splash around, but it wouldn't be enough water for a whole community of people to come and enjoy themselves in. It's a little bit overgrown now. There's lots of plants growing in the water, lots of rushes, uh, grasses and other plants. So why did we choose this location? Well, Imogen wanted something that looked a little bit urban, and the concrete fulfilled that requirement. Even though it is next to the bush, next to the creek, it is an area that's very grey. And she thought this might suit the song, Mad World, which isn't really an upbeat song. Now, I remember the song from years gone by. I guess at that time, I never imagined I would have a daughter Who would be singing it? Who would have a version up on YouTube? Because that's where Mad World is now. The song has been published. If you'd like to go and have a look at it, it is on Imogen's YouTube channel, Imogen Elvis. She would really appreciate some more views, I'm sure. This video has been a bit slow. I don't know why some videos do well and some don't when you put your whole heart and soul into them and you feel you have something worth sharing. Maybe a lot of it's to do with the algorithm for places like Facebook, Instagram and even YouTube. We have been discussing how YouTube doesn't automatically put videos into subscribers' feeds. There's some funny way that they decide who is going to see what. 
So maybe a lot of Imogen subscribers don't even know that she has published a new music video. So I'm telling you about it today. So maybe you'd like to go over there, as I said, and have a watch. Today, Imogen published a second Mad World video on YouTube. This one is the behind the scenes. I haven't actually seen it yet, but I do know that I'm in it. I'm walking down those concrete steps. It was quite a fun video shoot. We had a lot of laughs and giggles while we were filming. And I said to Imogen after Sophie had finished filming the video that she should have walked down all these steps. Wouldn't it have looked good if she had walked down the steps and Sophie had filmed it? The steps were just waiting for somebody to walk down. And I said, look, I'll walk down them. So I went up to the top and I walked down them. And Gemma Rose was doing the behind the scenes filming on that particular day. And she filmed me working. Not very exciting, I guess, but we had a lot of fun. So if you'd like to see that behind the scenes for Mad World, that's on Imogen's YouTube channel when it went up today. And in a few days time, there will be a third Mad World video. Because after we'd finished all our filming and Sophie was putting away her equipment, I suddenly said, I bet I could have sang that song. And the girls turned around to me and said, well, you still can, Mum. We'll film you singing Imogen's song. And then I wondered how, what I'd got myself into. And I said, well, I don't actually know the words. And Gemma Rose said, but I do. I know all the words, Mum. And then someone said, well, why don't we film Gemma Rose singing Mad World? She could mime to Imogen's soundtrack. And that's what we did. This is Gemma Rose's second um, video where she has mimed to one of Imogen's songs. I can't remember the title of the first one that she did, but it was one out of The Phantom of the Opera. I think she almost upstaged Imogen because... Jim Rose is very dramatic. She has a face like rubber, as Imogen described. And she, yes, she put it to good use during the filming of Mad World. She gave a whole totally new look to the video. It's a lot of fun. So please watch out for that, Jim Rose's version of Mad World. Of course, she's not singing. Imogen is singing. Jim Rose is just doing all the dramatic actions so that was our first music video for the year. I guess there'll be a lot more. So what have I got to tell you to wrap up this podcast? Well, you could go over to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. I will leave links to all the blog posts that I have spoken about today. You might like to read them for yourself. Also, please go over to Imogen's YouTube channel, Imogen Elvis. You can also find her on Facebook and Instagram. And she also has a blog, ImogenElvis.com. Now, I have a few ideas about this podcast but I don't think I've got time to tell you about them today. So I'm going to leave that for another time. But if I forget, remind me. Yes, come over to my blog. I'd love to see you there. Please stop by, say hello, comment on anything that I have said today. 
Well, I guess that's it. I finished episode one hundred and eighteen. Time to press stop. Go and edit this file. Get it uploaded to Podbean. You can also find it on iTunes. Well, I think it's Apple Podcasts these days. Yes, you can subscribe to this podcast through Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or you can just go to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. I have a widget in the sidebar with all the episodes there. You can download them to your device or listen online. So, until next time, thank you so much for listening to this episode, and don't forget to trust, respect, and love unconditionally.